0: The following is a chapter reading of the Worm audiobook project. Please support the original author at parahumans.wordpress.com or by donating to his Patreon at patreon.com/wildbow. Arc 7, Buzz 7.7. 7. Purity floated above the docks, an oversized firefly against a blue-gray backdrop of sky. She came to rest over a building that had been half-built and left abandoned, a small crane jutting out of the middle of it. A building I recognized as Bitch's Place, her improvised dog shelter. Brian? I called out. You want to see this? The cameraman tried to zoom in and focus on purity, but only intensified the lens flare effect that followed her. He zoomed back out just in time to see her take action. The beams of light that blasted from her palm weren't straight, There was a bit of a spiral to them, as they formed a rough double helix. The end result was wider than Purity was tall, tearing into the building to topple the crane against one wall. She turned the light on other walls, obliterating them. It took her less than a minute to level the building and pulverize any part of the structure that stood higher than the sidewalk. She paused, and hovered there in the midst of the dust and the motes of light that had followed in the wake of her power. She turned and shot the next closest building— Directing a smaller, tighter beam at one corner where the structure met the ground. She hit the next corner, then swept the oscillating shaft of light through the ground floor to obliterate any supports that stood within. The building toppled messily, with brick walls sloughing off and cresting plumes of dust. The building hadn't even finished falling before she started work on the next two, devoting one beam to each. Were there people in there? I asked horrified both at the idea and at what this woman was capable of doing. What about those other buildings? Brian was behind his couch, watching. There might have been, and there might be. My need to hurry overrode my modesty. I stood up and pulled off my top, leaving just my bra on, making sure to keep my back to Brian. I removed the sweatshirt I had tied around my waist and untied the arms of my costume. What are you doing? Getting ready. I put my arms through one arm and worked my fingers into the gloves. Brian walked around the couch, and I hurried to raise the top half of my costume and clutch it to my chest, covering myself. He put his hands on my bare shoulders and exerted enough force to push me back down to a sitting position. I complied stiffly, reluctantly. He pulled his hands away a little more quickly than he might have a day or two ago, jamming them into his pockets. I hunched my shoulders forward self-consciously. Brian took a deep breath not your job. They're doing that because of us. I adjusted my grip on my costume top to free a hand so I could point it at the TV. The cameraman was retreating from the scene, and the image was wobbling as the camera rocked with his movement. The spark of light that was purity was moving in his general direction as she leveled more buildings. Because of Coil, not us. The heroes will be the ones to take care of it, Brian retorted. They could be hurting innocent people, Given who these guys are, I'm pretty sure they've been hurting innocent people for a long time. I turned to frown at Brian. You know what I mean. We... Undersiders. A female voice cut into the conversation. Protectorate. Take note. Our heads turned back to the television screen. The camera showed a brilliant glare that could only vaguely be made out as a face. The view shifted and I heard her command. Hold it. The camera steadied and focused on Purity's face. From ground level, looking up. I suspected the cameraman was on the ground. You took the most important thing in the world from me. Her voice was without effect. Flat. Until she's returned, this doesn't stop. I will take the city apart until I find you or you come to stop me. My subordinates will murder anyone, everyone, until this matter is settled. I don't care if they're genetically pure or not. If they haven't allied with us already they missed their chance she bent down to take the camera while the image swayed wildly purity spoke night fog demonstrate the camera steadied fixed on a man and a woman in grey and black costumes respectively featuring cowls and cloaks behind to one side of them was an unnaturally pale and white-haired young man the man in grey evaporated into a rolling cloud of grey-white fog moving toward the camera Purity took flight, moving up and above the scene, keeping the camera focused on the cameraman. As the camera rose and the view of the scene expanded, I could see Crusader off to one side, leaning against a wall with his arms folded. As the mist enveloped the cameraman, Knight strode forward, disappearing into it. The timing of what happened seemed wrong, too soon after she entered the fog. There was a ragged scream and then blood sprayed out of the mist to paint the surrounding road in dozens upon dozens of long splashes of crimson. The fog moved as though it had a mind of its own, congealing into the man once more. When he had fully pulled himself together again, there were only a few spatters of blood six or so paces from where the cameraman had fallen, and night, standing in the middle of the road. No body, no clothes, no blood remained where fog had passed. "'We are not the ABB,' Purity spoke, not bothering to turn the camera back to herself. "'We're stronger both in powers and in number. We have discipline, and thanks to you, we have nothing left to lose. I will have my daughter back, and we will have our restitution.' Purity dropped the camera, and the view spun lazily as the camera hurtled to the ground. There was the briefest glimpse of the trail of light that marked her departure, before the camera hit the ground and the television went black.' After a moment, the BB4 News logo appeared on the screen against a blue background. Crap, Brian said. So, if you're not going to go after them to save people... I wasn't able to keep all the bitterness out of my voice. Maybe you'll do it for our rep after we got called out like that. That's not... Taylor, I don't want people to get hurt or killed either. I'm not a villain that aims to hurt people. I'm just being practical. You didn't answer my question. What are we doing now after hearing that? We're calling Lisa. Or you are, and I'll take care of your ear while you do it. I nodded. I took the opportunity to get my top back on while he got the first aid kit, and I grabbed my cell phone. Brian used saline and a wet cotton wipe to wipe around my ear, as I dialed Lisa. She picked up on the first ring. Lemon, J, I told her. Bumblebee, S. She replied. No immediate danger, but the situation doesn't look good? Right, I replied. Brian put the cotton wipe aside. It was red-pink with flakes of my dried blood on it. He repaired another to continue working. You see that bit on TV? I asked her. Hold on, I'm putting you on speaker for Gru. I'd used his code name for security's sake. I fiddled with the keypad to put the phone on speaker mode. Lisa's voice was tinny through the low-quality speaker. Purity? I saw the bit from TV. From what I picked up, Child Protective Services and a contingent of capes went to her place and walked out with her baby while she was at work, before she even had a chance to hear about the email. Mama Bear snapped. Tattletale, Brian spoke. Did you talk to Coyle? Coyle says he told Kaiser straight up that he was responsible for the emails. I believe him. If Purity and Kaiser's other subordinates don't know, Kaiser either hasn't seen fit to tell him, or he's intentionally keeping them in the dark. What? Why would he do that? I raised the phone closer to my mouth to ask her. It makes a warped sort of sense to me. Brian answered for Lisa. He lets his people believe we're responsible, with Purity's group gunning for us and the Protectorate. Hookwolf hates us anyway, because a bitch. So he goes along. Kaiser lets them deal with us, with all that fury and hate and no holds barred torture, murder and maiming that comes with blaming us. When we're dealt with, or when it's convenient, he tells them the truth, turns that bloodthirst against coil. His people won't ever be scarier or more vicious than they are right now. Why not maximize the damage? Doesn't that fall apart if Coyle admits, publicly or to members of Empire 88, that he's responsible? I asked. Yes, Lisa's tinny voice replied. But Coyle won't. He was willing to talk to Kaiser, fess up to the man himself face to face, but going with a more public route risks putting himself in the spotlight, drawing attention to himself, and he's not going to do that. I suspect Kaiser knows that and is accounting for it. So what's next? I asked. I think we should do something to step in, but Brian was saying that he thought we should continue to lay low, before purity set her peace anyway, not sure if he's changed his mind. I gave him a look. I haven't. Brian spoke, loud enough to be picked up by the phone. He dabbed ointment on my ear, making me wince. Sorry. I wasn't sure if the apology was over his stance in the discussion, or the medical care. According to the news and my, um, inside source, Lisa spoke, referring to her power. Purity hasn't stopped. She's doing strafing runs across the docks. She moves too fast for anyone but dauntless or velocity to catch, and she hits harder than both of them combined. She's knocked down four more buildings while we've talked, I'm pretty sure. How long before she happens to knock over our hideout? Brian pursed his lips. And she leads her own subgroup within Empire 88, so I'm betting that Fog, Knight, Alabaster, and Crusader are on the streets, doing their own thing. I don't know about you guys, but I have friends in our neighborhood. I'm not very cool with that. Brian sighed. Fine, we go. But no direct confrontation until we have a game plan. Especially not before we reunite our two groups. Where are you guys? Hold up on the far side of the train yard with the dogs, Lisa answered. Not a bad spot. Better than the building Purity tore down. Don't know why she was set up there instead of here. I heard a voice on the other end that was probably bitches, though I couldn't make out the words. So, we meet? Lisa asked. We meet. Brian replied. I'm going to call Coyle for a vehicle, and to ask him a few questions. Hear for myself that he talked to Kaiser. However long it takes for a ride to get here, it should give me time to patch Skitter up. I winced. Patch her up? Why? Not relevant to the current situation. We'll explain later, he said. Later then. Take care of yourself, Skitter. Lisa hung up. Brian held up a needle and thread. Let me apologize in advance. You see kids get their ears twisted in the movies and on TV all the time. What you don't get is how much it fucking hurts. I touched the part of my mask that covered my bandaged earlobe. It was throbbing. "'do in part to Brian's ministrations. "'Just leave it alone. "'The painkillers will kick in soon.' "'All right.' "'We sat in silence for a few moments. "'I stared out the small window at the back of the vehicle. "'Very few cars were going in the direction we were. "'The interior of the vehicle that Coyle had procured for us "'was filled with medical equipment. "'There was a gurney, which I sat on, "'and a second smaller type of gurney "'that could be disassembled and reassembled as required, "'up near the ceiling.' The interior was efficiently packed with medical supplies, an oxygen tank underneath the bench where Grew sat, a heartbeat monitor, life jackets, tubes of all shapes and sizes, lockers and drawers with pills, splints, and bandages. It was, to all appearances, a real ambulance. I couldn't say whether it had originally been an ambulance and Coyle had added extra compartments for weapons and for my bugs, or if he'd gone the other way and built the vehicle from scratch to accommodate his additions. We slowed down, and grew leaned toward the front of the ambulance. What's the holdup? Blockade coming up, the driver spoke. He and the woman in the passenger seat were Coyle's people, decked out in paramedic uniforms. No sweat. He flipped a switch, and the siren blared. Seconds later, he was revving up and moving without difficulty. I looked through the rear window, and saw a line of police cars and PRT vans behind us, moving to close the gap they'd just opened in their formation. Hey. Are we okay? Gru asked me. He was outfitted in costume, helmet on and visor down. Hmm? I get the feeling you're angry. If I'm angry at anyone for that thing outside the mall, it's myself. Can we just drop that topic forever and forget it ever happened? No, no. I mean, are you angry that I didn't jump out of my seat to go fight Empire 88 before we knew everything that was at stake? Oh, I flushed, and my ear throbbed in response to the rush of blood. Could have kicked myself. I honestly don't know. I wasn't expecting it. I see the lengths you go through to take care of your... family member. I think of you as a pretty honorable guy, you know? This was veering closer to the conversation that was not to be spoken of than I'd like. I deliberately left that thought hanging. Grew rubbed the back of his neck. I'm not sure I'm as good a person as you're making me out. An impact rocked the ambulance, tossing Grew out of his seat and nearly knocking me heels over head. The ambulance veered out of the driver's control, tipped, and landed on its side, bringing Gru against the underside of the stretcher I'd been sitting on. The spare gurney and the contents of the drawers and lockers around the interior spilled free and scattered around us. Fuck, the driver swore. Fuck shit. I pulled free of the tubes and half the gurney that had fallen around me, and crawled toward the front to look between the two front seats. It didn't look so different from Bitch's dogs in general shape. It was a little larger, too, maybe, but that was a hard call to make. It was hollow, its limbs were thinner than the dog's, and I couldn't really draw a line between what was actual meat of the body and what wasn't, because the entire thing was a chainsaw whir of serrated blades, hooks, and needle points, shuffling and shifting around one another, rising and falling, all moving too fast for the eye to follow, Altogether, it maintained a general quadruped shape with a tail and elongated snout. Walking on either side of it were two people. There was a pale, tall man with a sort of muscle-heavy build you only saw on cons and bodybuilders. He wore black slacks that were in tatters around his feet, had chains wrapped around his forearms, hands, and calves, and a blue-white tiger mask. On the opposite side of the metal beast was a twenty-something girl with a gymnast's build and scars crisscrossing her exposed skin. Her hair was shorn to a bleach-blonde buzz cut, and her face was covered by a metal cage. The blender of dangerous-looking bits dissolved, each of the hooks and blades retracting into the skin of the man at the center of the thing's chest. As the front legs withdrew into his shoulders, he dropped into a crouch on the street. He wore a wolf mask of sheet metal and had been crudely bent into place, framed by long, greasy blonde hair. Hook-Wolf Rumor had it that Hookwolf, back in the day, had been one of the top fighters in a parahuman fighting ring in New York. He'd grown greedy, killed the man that ran it for access to the vault with the night's earnings, and had made a good number of enemies in the process. It had been a group of white supremacists local to that area that had given him shelter and support, happy to side with him because the man he'd killed had been an acceptable target. Maybe the ideology was real for Hookwolf from day one? Maybe it was an act that had become reality when he found he enjoyed having people celebrate him for enacting his most twisted impulses and racking up a body count. Either way, I suspected that there were a few things he wouldn't do for his empire nowadays. Storm Tiger, the man with the chains and the tiger mask, and Cricket, the girl, apparently tied back to the same circles of parahuman prize fighters that Hookwolf had once been part of. I couldn't begin to guess their motivations for following him, but I suppose it hardly mattered. Hookwolf was dangerous enough on his own. With friends? We run, I muttered. Hookwolf and his buddies had their backs turned to us and were walking toward the police barricade. Stormtiger flexed his hands, and the air blurred around them, congealed into a half-dozen pale, translucent blades that jutted from each hand. We have guns, spoke the driver. We shoot them from behind. No, Brian spoke. It won't hurt Hookwolf, and I suspect Cricket and Stormtiger could do something about it, or they wouldn't be so brazen about walking toward those cops. Skitter is right. We retreat. Ready? Grew blanketed the back doors of the ambulance in darkness to mute the noise as he cracked it open to cover the outside as well. Noiselessly, the four of us backed out of the ambulance. Grew flooded the block with darkness, and I scattered my bugs out from the surrounding area and the compartments in the ambulance's interior to follow in the wake of the darkness spacing them out to cover the ground and the other objects around us, giving myself a swarm sense of my surroundings. I grabbed the hand of the woman paramedic and pulled her away from the middle of the street, toward the sidewalk. Brian brought the driver in the same general direction. My bugs felt someone come after us fast. I didn't have the time to get out of the way and lead Coyle's foe paramedic to safety as well, so I shoved her in one direction and leaped in the other. The man leapt into the space we'd vacated, and I felt a rush of wind set my hair to whipping around my face. There was an explosion of sorts, a blast of wind powerful enough to lift me off the ground and push away a fair share of Gru's darkness. Storm Tiger stood at the epicenter of the clearing, reforming the translucent claws around his raised left hand. He used one of the translucent blades on his hand to tap the side of his tiger mask's nose as he turned to look down at me. When he spoke, his voice was deeper than Brian's. Don't need to see you, sweetie. I was really, really growing to hate enhanced senses.